You're listening to Sports Connections with David Smale, the show that brings you a fun and intimate look into connections throughout sports. Now here's your host, David Smale. We've all played the game. You know, one of your friends says he met a celebrity at an event and you respond that your mother lives two doors down from the uncle of another A-lister. And then your other friend says his aunt once dated a famous athlete in college and it goes round and round until someone pulls out the big stick and ends the game. Our guest today, Charlie Meacham, is that last guy. The longtime commissioner of the LPGA, Meacham also spent many years as an advisor and friend to two of the biggest names in golf. He describes the relationship he had with Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer in his book, Arnie and Jack, Stories of My Long Friendship with Two Remarkable Men. The book will be released later this month, and he's kind enough to join us from his home in California. Charlie, welcome to Sports Connections. My pleasure. I look forward to it. All right. Now, you were involved in the PGA long before you became the commissioner of the LPGA. How did you get involved in professional golf? Well, like so many things in life, uh, I look back now and see the serendipity involved and the absolute coincidental uh, part of my involvement in golf. And it goes like this. The company that I was CEO of in Cincinnati, Taft Broadcasting Company, built an amusement park uh, a themed amusement park north of Cincinnati. And when Kings we were, Island? pardon me, that Kings Island, Kings Island. Yeah. I spent time at Kings Island. My brother was a student at university of Dayton. Oh. And so we'd drive down from Dayton to Kings Island when it was too hot to work. So go ahead with, go ahead with your, uh, small, your small world. Well, yeah. when, when we were assembling the land for the park, uh, the interstate 71, ran right through the parcel of land that we wanted. The bulk of the parcel was uh, on the, uh, on the uh, west side, 20 couple thousand acres. But in order to buy that, we had to buy a smaller parcel, 60, oh, maybe 150 acres, something like that, because it was owned by the same uh, owners and they wouldn't sell the big piece without the little piece. So we end up with this 100 plus acres and with no plan to do anything with it. One of my uh, pals in the company came to me and said, Charlie, we need to build a golf course on that uh, parcel of land. And I said, well, you know, we don't have any other plans for it. Uh, let's do that. So we uh, contacted Jack Nicholas, and that was one of the very first courses that he did. And so uh, as we were completing the golf course, this is one of my favorite memories of time with Jack. Uh, he and I were having a drink and I said, Jack, you did a great job building this course. And he said, yeah, we're going to have a PGA tournament here next year. And I said, wait a minute, Jack, <laughs> you know, the trees are whips, the fairways are barely grown in. What? He said, no, no, Dean Beeman, who was then the commissioner of the tour, owes me one and we're going to have a, we're going to have a tournament. And uh, I said, well, is this course up to it? And I've never forgotten his answer. He said, Charlie, let me tell you something. If you make the greens double fast, grow the roughs and narrow the fairways, any golf course in the world is, 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 is uh, capable. So that's what we did. And we, so that, started me in golf. And then after uh, four or five years with the uh, 
PGA event, we had the chance to uh, host the LPGA championship on the Nicholas course. And we did that for 10 years. And during that 10 years, I got to know a lot of the LPGA players, uh, people involved in the, in the operation. But it's, again, it's, it's, it's just so coincidental that that's the way I got into golf. Okay. Now, did, did Jack then introduce you to Arnie? Is that how you got to know him? No, uh, I got to know Arnie uh, with my, what do I want to say? My days with the LPGA. Okay. Uh, Arnie played in a number of, of events, uh, one called the mixed team uh, event and others that involved men and women. And uh, so I got to know him uh, originally that way. Okay. What, what types of things did you do with either or both of them? And I know that they will talk about their friendship later on, but did you do a lot of things with both of them or was it one or the other? And what types of things were those? No, I did a lot of things with, with uh, each of them or both of them. Uh, The one thing that I did that I didn't like to do, David was play golf with them. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, my God, you know, I'm an 18 handicapper and, and always loved the game, but I was never, I was never concerned about, about uh, being a great player. Cause I didn't think I ever, ever would be, but uh, they were both very gracious and more than once would invite me to play. Well, I can still think standing over the ball with my 18 handicap hanging around my neck, thinking <laughs> I'm about I'm about to embarrass myself in in front of one of the greatest golfers ever, ever lived, but I and they were very nice about it. And occasionally, I would do something that that distinguished me with yeah. uh, with them. But uh, for the most part, it was just uh, conversations. Uh, got to know their families well, uh, and and then of course the business involvement. But we just spent a lot of quality time. I, re- I remember, for example, one night late in the, in, in the, in the day, actually in the night, Arnie and I were sitting at the uh, bar at the, at the uh, uh, members bar at uh, Bay Hill, Arnie's course in Orlando. And we talked about a lot of things. And he said, you know, Charlie, uh, I really need to be around people. I'm, I'm, I can be alone, but I, I love being around people. And I said, well, Arnie, that doesn't surprise me because people love to be around you. And I, I can still remember, I said, you are their oxygen and they are your oxygen and, and, and so forth. And then with Jack, I, w- I was honored to be named to the captain's club at Muirfield Village, which is a group of golf statesmen and stateswomen, I guess. Uh, that Jack uh, selects to help him with advise and consult on uh, the uh, Memorial Tournament. And so I spent a lot of time, uh, both business and otherwise, with Jack on the Captain's Club. You know, you, you may, and that, I appreciate that background, you know, because there's a lot, there's a lot in there. I, I, I had a gal who worked for me for a while. I, I would complain because if I was in the office all day working, I'd come home exhausted. If I was out meeting with clients and, and running around and just hyperactive, oh. I'd come home with, with energy. Yeah. And yeah. 
but if I was sitting by myself in the office all day, that, those are the days I'd be tired. And she said to me, you get your energy from people. So I understand that. So yeah. I appreciate that, that explanation of Arnie, but you know, it's interesting. You talked about the thing you, you didn't like to do was play golf with them. Golf is such a great sport because I could go out and I could throw a football around with Patrick Mahomes uh, or I could hit a baseball with George Brett and yeah. I don't have a chance, but I could play golf with Tom Watson. I could play golf with Tiger Woods and my score is not going to compete with them, but I'm on the same course at the same time, swinging the same club, hitting the ball half as far, <laughs> you okay. know, and, and, but I'm competing with them at the same time. And I think that's one of the great things about golf. Oh, the handicap system is in, in an ingenious uh, development in that sport. And I don't want to leave you thinking that I didn't like playing with them. Right, right. A very traumatic experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I understand. I, I once, uh, I used to work for the NCAA, and, and, and I one time had an opportunity to be at a meeting in, uh, in Carmel. And so we had some free time. So we went and walked. Yeah. We went and walked Pebble Beach and we walked up, walked up to 17. And I pretended to be Tom Watson and chip my, my ball in off the back, you know, the back fringe and roll in. You know, we, we, I chipped in off 17, ran around with my pretend club up in my, up in the air. Like I had just won the 82 U S open and we step up to step up to number 18 and th there was a group of guys taking their picture with their, their caddy, whose name was Jack. And so they were calling him Monterey Jack. And they, there was like four of them plus Jack. And they, they were all alternating, taking the picture. And I said, you guys all need to be in the picture. And I said, I, I will take your picture if you do me a favor. So they let me take the picture and they said, what's the favor? I said, take my picture with my camera and I want to pretend to tee off on 18. Yeah. And the guys, after I took the picture, the guy said, no, I'm not going to do that. And I said, what do you mean? He said, only if you hit the ball. <laughs> well, I hadn't played yet that year. I was not, you know, I was not loose. I said, I'm not, I guarantee you I'm going to hit it in the ocean. Guy said, I'm not taking your picture unless you hit the ball. So I remember getting that roll of film back, back when we had film. And I got the pictures and I showed my dad, who was a pretty good golfer. And I said, here I am teeing off on 18. And he was, he was just like, wow, this is so cool. And then he I saw a picture, the picture of me hitting the ball and the ball was still on the tee and it was just right there. But he saw my swing. And he said, you hit in the ocean, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> the pressure was on. I was standing on the 18th tee at Pebble Beach. Right. <laughs> Right. And the pressure was on. So I, under, I understand what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, you know, it's interesting. The, the media portrayed Jack and Arnie as rivals, but they were really good friends. What what good illustrations do you have to talk about how close those two guys were to each other? I think the best illustration by far is that. In conversation. Over the years. Each of them said to me, not what, not when they were, we were all together, but just they'd say, if anything, uh, if I needed one friend, I'd call Jack. Or mm -hmm. if I wanted to have a conversation about a really important thing and cared a lot about it, um, 
I'd call Arnold. And to me, that was the ultimate tribute. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not the one, it's not the one phone call thing, <laughs> but uh, if I really needed a friend, uh, I'd call Jack or Arnie. So, the, you know, the fact that how the media portrayed it as bitter rivals was because they were rivals. They were both good at the same time, Arnie, a little bit before Jack, but th that same general era. And they were both so good and they were both competing for the same uh, major championships. That's probably why they got cast as bitter rivals when they were rivals, but not bitter at all. Well, you make a good point because I suspect that many of your viewers are too uh, young to remember the days when Jack challenged Arnie, when this usurper <laughs> challenged the king. Mm -hmm. It was it was ugly. Uh, people would 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 shout and yell when J when Jack was on his backswing. They'd call him Fat Jack and hit a bad shot. It was it was really really ugly. But uh, Jack said to me more than once, Arnie never, ever was involved in that. Yeah. He was above that. And, uh, and Arnie said, I never had a problem with, with, I mean, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Jack said, I never had a problem with Arnie. My problem was mostly with Arnie's army. Yeah. So they were very close, very close friends. You know, I don't, you, I talked in the beginning about the can you top this game, and I love playing that. My big stick is that I still have John Wooden's home phone number programmed in my phone. <laughs> so if somebody's playing that, I can just pull it out and pretend like, hey, yeah, here's Coach Wooden's number. Uh, so do you have um, or did you guys did you ever do that with, you know, with your friends say that? Yeah, here, uh, let me call Arnold Palmer and ask him that or as I was saying. As I was talking with Jack Nicholas, uh, we said this. Did you ever do that when well, you, you do it? I, I hope I did. I never did it for the Eagles <laughs> play, um, but I was very proud of my friendship, and I've always I've always been a sports hero worshiper. If that's not too strong, my first hero was Ted Williams, mm. and I worshipped. Ted Williams had pictures of him all over my walls. So I've always sort of been a sports junkie mm -hmm. and, and without apology, uh, have always felt that uh, having heroes in the sports world was not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. As long as, you, as long as you don't put them on too much of a pedestal, you realize they're human beings sure. uh, and things like that. And when I say I, I like doing that, I don't walk around with my phone program, you know, Sure. with coach Wooden's number on there. But if somebody's, you know, when you, when somebody is playing that game, like they're, they're making themselves to be better because of who they know. Yeah. That's a, an occasional time to, to bring that out. But, you know, being involved in sports, you know, you've been involved in sports for a long time. I've been a sports writer. The reason I'm doing this podcast is because I've been interviewing people in sports yeah. for more than 40 years. And some friends yeah. said, why don't you record them and, and do the podcast? Yeah. You know, it is fun to be able to say, well, as I was talking to my friend, Jim Nance recently, yeah. you know, it, it, it's fun to do that. And as long as you don't brag about it, it's probably okay. I'm, I'm very proud of, uh, of doing that. Uh, but again, not, uh, not wearing it on your sleeve, but just yeah. being proud of the friendship. Yeah, for sure. Now uh, this, the book with Arnie and Jack or your relationship with them is your third book. What prompted you uh, to write it? 
interesting question. Um, I belong to a club in uh, La Quinta, California called Tradition. Uh, Arnie designed the, the course. And uh, the president of the club a couple years ago, I guess now, came to me and said, Charlie, you may be one of the very few people who knew Arnie and Jack intimately at the same time. And I said, well, I hadn't thought of it. You're probably right. And he said, would you make a talk to the membership hmm. and about that? And I did. And it was quite well received. And then I was urged by a number of the people who were there to write a book. And uh, I learned one thing. You may already have learned that uh, converting a speech to a book is <laughs> is not easy. But that's what that's what started it. What was the best part of the process for you? Pulling, pulling up the memories. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to guess that. Yeah. I, uh, I would have people call me. There's a great sports writer in uh, Palm Springs called Larry Bohannon uh, at the Desert Sun. And he called me one day and he said, I got a story for you. And so people would contribute. Mm -hmm. uh, the, th the things that I had told them that I'd forgotten. Yeah. So dredging up the memories and uh, kind of fleshing them out a little bit was, was the most fun. I would imagine even reliving them to a certain extent. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I told Jack about the book and he was very excited about it. In fact, I'll, uh, I'll jump ahead in your question list a little bit to uh, detail a, uh, one of the funniest things, and this is uh, this is uh, detailed in my book. When I was sharing an office with Arnie at Bay Hill, um, every six weeks or so, I would drive down I-95 and, and visit Jack. And uh, this one time I said to Arnie, I'm going to be seeing Jack tomorrow. And he said, uh, oh, good, give me my best. So uh, I go down to Lost Tree and meet Jack. And, uh, I said, Arnie sends his best. Oh, good. Well, how's he doing? I said, Jack, he's just doing fine. And Jack said, uh, does he still play golf every day? And I kind of, I shook my head and I said, well, yeah, he, uh, either in the shootout or the, on the range or in a tournament or whatever. And Jack just sort of shook his head. So the next day I go back to Bay Hill and I said, Arnie, uh, Jack sends his best. Oh, good. Um, how is he? I said, he's doing fine. He said, does he play much golf? And I said, not, not very much, uh, Arnie. I, I just don't think he's playing a lot. And Arnie looked at me dead seriously and said, well, then, Charlie, what does he do all day long? <laughs> <laughs> I thought one of the funniest things I'd ever heard in that yeah. in the book. Uh, uh, they were they were very different. I've I've always said that I felt that Arnie played the played the game just because he purely loved to play golf. Mm -hmm. Jack, on the other hand, I think played because of the competitive drive. Mm -hmm. And when he no longer could be competitive, he didn't have the compulsion to play like Arnie did. Um, that was one of the differences. Um, but I, I, I'll never forget that exchange.
It's interesting. I was going to ask you, I didn't send you this question ahead of time, but the the difference between the two players from a golf standpoint. So it sounds like what you're saying is Arnie became great because he loved golf so much. Jack became a great golfer because he was so competitive and wanted to be great so much. Right. Right. For example, um, I think I'm pretty sure I mentioned this in the book. Uh, Arnie could have played any sport that he wanted and played it well. I'm convinced of that. But he didn't want to do that. All he wanted to do was play golf. Jack, on the other hand, was a great tennis player. He was a a, a catcher, baseball catcher uh, in uh, high school, uh, a left-handed catcher, which is pretty interesting. Wow. Uh, And uh, he was a great hunter and fisherman. Um, But Arnie just wanted to play golf. (laughs) Okay. Now they both had amazing games. Arnie was more charismatic. So he drew the crowds and and of course he came, he came first. Um, but, and Jack was so talented that he had his fans, uh, he had a legion of fans as well. Yeah. Yeah. And their personalities were quite different, weren't they? Yes. I think, I think Arnie was maybe the most charismatic athlete ever in any sport. Uh, there are others. I mean, Babe Ruth and so right. on and so forth. But uh, Arnie just exuded charisma. And I can't tell you the number of people who have said to me, you know, he was walking down the fairway and he looked right at me. Well, yeah. <laughs> he had that ability to relate. Um, Jack, to me, what his principal asset was his incredible concentration, his ability to block out everything. And uh, therefore he came across to the public, maybe as cold and distant, Mm -hmm. but once you got to know him. Yeah. And uh, I remember one time I played golf with him down in Florida. And after golf, we went back to his home and uh, uh, it was a, in, in the fall, and it was a football game on. He flipped it on. Within 10 minutes, eight or 10 of his grandkids show up. He's sitting in a big easy chair, and they're, they're sitting on his lap and hanging around his neck. I remember thinking, you know, if the public could see this, yeah. he's a great family man, yes. loved his family. But his concentration ability, I think, maybe unrivaled in, uh, until Tiger came along. Tiger has the same ability to block it out. Yeah. I, I, I got to know Stan Thirsk, who I'm sure you knew. Um, I, I helped a friend write a book uh, on Stan Thirsk. And, and for those who don't remember who Stan is, he basically is the one who taught Tom Watson how to play golf. Yep. Um, and Stan told the story about Arnold Palmer and, he, and Stan was playing in a tournament. He was a, a club pro here in Kansas City. Uh, and he was playing in a tournament, ironically, at Pebble Beach. And he was paired with Arnold Palmer. And of course, everywhere Arnie went, the army went with him (laughs) and, uh, and Arnie hit his second shot onto the green and, uh, Stan had hit his second shot short of the green. And so the, the army was basically following Arnie around and Stan was getting ready to hit hit his chip shot. And there were people in front of him Yeah, and Arnie was so aware of others that he basically said, Hey, people, you know, I appreciate your following me, but my friend here needs to finish his round too. Yeah. And he was so aware of, 
of Stan. Yeah. And Stan said, you know, he, he was his hero because of the way he yeah. treated other golfers and other people and stuff. Right. No question about it. Okay. Um, now, I wouldn't ask you, uh, again, to tell me who was easier to work with, but did, did well, you mentioned that, that Jack was helpful with writing the book. Did How many of these stories did you run by him and I, I ran the whole book by him. Okay. Yep. Um, Arnie, regrettably, I could not do that with, although I did I did run my first book, Who's That with Charlie? Um, all the p- parts of it uh, that Arnie um, was involved in, I r- went over with him, and he actually wrote one of the forwards to that book. Okay. Okay, so, and Jack wrote the forward for this book. Yes, and Arnie's longtime assistant and scribe doc giffen wrote the other forward okay um give us a, a quick description of the first two books you just alluded to one of them but give us a quick description of that um i began to realize this is 10 or 12 years ago now um how blessed i had been to get to know a lot of very interesting people So I decided to write my recollections of those people. For example, Neil Armstrong and I were very close friends, Hmm. uh, not because of my uh, ability to (laughs) fly in space, but because we lived close to one another in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this book is a collection of those stories. It's not a, it's not an autobiography. Uh, And when I was thinking of a title for the book, I, uh, Remember this old joke. You may have heard this guy goes to Rome and purely by accident gets his picture taken with the Pope. Well, of course, he's very proud of this and he takes it home with him. He doesn't tell anybody it was a complete happenstance, but he's showing the picture around. Everybody, oh, God, Joe, that's terrific. It's wonderful. The last guy looks at the picture and says, uh, terrific, but who's that guy with you, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> figured that the, who's that with Charlie is a good title. The second book, uh, Total Anecdotal, came about when my uh, one of my sons-in-law said, uh, he said, Pop, uh, I've noticed when you um, make speeches, you like to use anecdotes to illustrate your point. And I said, yeah, I really believe that if you can illustrate a point with an anecdote, even better if it's a, if it's a humorous anecdote, your audience will remember it much longer. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, could you put together a dictionary of anecdotes so that if I'm getting ready to make a speech or write a paper and need to have an anecdote about whatever, I can look at that. And that's what I did. That's what Total Anecdotal was about. All right. Well, that's Three great. Different books. And uh, again, at the end of this month, uh, your book uh, with Arnie and Jack uh, or re- your relationship with Arnie and Jack is going to be, where will people be able to get it? I think eventually uh, it will be on uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble and, and my own website. You can't really get that uh, until the book is out so that Amazon and Barnes and Noble can see it because I know they have a lot of counterfeiters trying to get on their uh, list. So uh, uh, it'll be available in uh, in all those sources. Okay. So what is your website? Cause I have written 24 books and I know that I make more money 
when I sell my own book than when yeah. oh, people yes. buy it from Amazon. So what is your website and people will you know, directly from you? My son does most of this, but I think it's just charliemeacham.com, I think. Okay. All right. So if you're listening and you want to do it, charliemeacham.com. And if that doesn't work, then Google Charlie Meacham book and you'll find it. it with Whoever's doing your website will put in search engine optimization so that they will right, be able right. to find and that we'll book. Be, can yeah. people get autographed copies from your website? We can, we can do that. Yep, we can do okay. that. Okay. The last thing I like to do with my podcast, I like to finish with two things. First of all, talk about your family. Um, on August 31st, this year, my wife and I will celebrate our 70th wedding anniversary. Oh, my goodness. And that tells you something. We were married on August 31st, 1952, in a little town in uh, central Ohio, where she lived, called Newark, Ohio. We both went to Miami University and in, uh, in Ohio. And uh, that's where we met, got engaged there, got, got married and headed immediately for Yale, where I was had been accepted in the law school. And uh, we've often laughed about it. She had no job. We had no place to live. But when you're at that stage in your life, you said, hell with it. it. It'll work out. And it all did. Yeah. So we spent the first three years in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, then since then, we have uh, three kids and five grandkids. Uh, happily, my kids are all uh, safe and well and uh, doing very different things. My uh, oldest is a, is a pediatrician. My youngest is a school teacher. And my middle guy, my son, uh, does a lot of things, including working with me on projects like this. Okay. We've had a great, great time together. All righty. And the last thing I always like to wrap up with, is and you can interpret the question however you want. I uh, had an NFL Hall of Famer answer it. Uh, he said, the, well, first of all, the question is, what's your legacy? And Bobby Bell, uh, the Chiefs Hall of Famer, said, uh, I want to live my life so the preacher doesn't have to lie at my funeral. But you can, you can answer the question. You can interpret it however you want and answer it however you want. What is your legacy? Well, I'll answer it this way. I've come up with a line when people um, ask me, how are you doing? And I say, well, physically, I'm, I'm fine. Mentally, you probably should ask somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think I can use that line and say, my legacy really should be in the hands of, of, of other people. And, and uh, I've, I, obviously, you, you hope to leave a little something behind, but... Uh, my wife and I have had a wonderful life together. So legacy or not, I'm, I've had a happy life. All right. That sounds great. <laughs> I'm going to start using that. That's, <laughs> that's really classic. Is. People, people break up when, when I, when I use it and they, they like it. And uh, so uh, let me give you one last story. Okay. It's so good that I, I think you'll enjoy it. You remember some years ago, a guy, in the masters was leading the masters and uh, laid up on uh, both 13 and 15 uh, ended up not winning the masters because he parred both of those courses instead of burying or eagling. The next day I was having lunch with Arnie and I said, uh, 
Arnie, uh, did you ever lay up at uh, Augusta on 13 or 15? And he looked at me. There were four or five of us at the table. He said, uh, you know how many times I came in second at Augusta? Oh, no, I, I don't. Neither do I. <laughs> and I thought I thought you'd enjoy that story. Yes, for sure. That that talks. Yeah, that says an it's awful a, lot. It's a pretty good. It's a pretty good lesson for life. Yeah. Um, always shoot for the moon. If you don't hit it, you'll probably get a star. <laughs> it, I like I like doing sports trivia. To me, the the sports trivia question. <clears throat> that stumps the most people. Everyone knows Jack has the most majors with 18 and Tiger uh, is, is behind at 15 and probably will never catch him. The amazing stat for me is the most runner up finishes in majors yeah. is 19 by Jack. And, and Tiger's got like three or something yeah. like yeah. that. And he was all Jack was always competitive. And that's, that's probably my favorite sports trivia question. And you can, you can, Expanded a little because third also works. You know, yeah, yeah. Go second, first, second, third. You know, it's Jack and and, and nobody else. Jack so, and against the field, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he and that that again. If there ever was an event where concentration was critical, uh, it's the Masters because uh, the field is tough. Yeah, the course is tough. The greens will drive you nuts. Um, and if you watched when he went, when he won at age, what, 46, mm -hmm. his concentration was beyond belief. Anyway, yeah. uh, I've really enjoyed it, David. You were very well prepared and that makes this a lot of fun for me. Well, thank you for joining me. I appreciate the time and you have a great afternoon. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Sports Connections with David Smale. Make sure to subscribe, follow, and rate the show from your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more about David Smale and his work by visiting davidsmalebooks.com. Don't forget to join us weekly for new episodes. Until next time.